song service this morning. Amen. Why don't we take our Bibles together. I'm going to turn right to the, the end of the book, Revelations chapter 17. Hope you weren't hoping for a Christmas message today. It's the day after, so we've got to take our Christmas messages and pack them in the box and just pull out whatever the Lord has for us this morning. Amen. I'm not very good at those anyways. I was telling Brother Ed, usually the day before, if I happen to be speaking on Easter or, or Mother's Day or Christmas or something like that, it usually hits me about the day before or the day of when I'm preparing, and all of a sudden I think, you know, would the people be expecting something maybe to do about Mother's or Christmas? And like, Oh, well, I forgot. I just, the Lord gave me this, so that's what I'm going to bring. So hope that's all right this morning. Amen. Why don't we bow our heads together? Precious Heavenly Father, Lord, just 
wanting to do our best this morning just to get ourselves out of the way, dear God, and not just the minister only, but Lord, if we as a people could get our, ourselves aside and just see uh, what you want us to see this morning, see through your eyes this morning, Lord Jesus, Father, how glorious I believe it would be, dear God, because Lord, the thoughts that you think towards us are not thoughts of evil, but thoughts of good things, Lord. Thoughts of peace, dear God, to give us an expected end, Lord. You have so many exceeding great and precious promises, Lord, that you have made us partakers of, dear God. And Lord Jesus, we just want to enter into your presence this morning. And Lord, just, Lord, let you have your way, dear God. We just want to forget about what day it is. We want to forget about what time it is, Lord, and just get shut in with you in that secret place. Close the door to the things of the world. Close the door to all distractions and Lord Jesus, come this morning and speak to us, dear God, is our prayer. And Lord, may you just take the reading of the word and the hearing of it. Bless it to our hearts, Lord. Bring it further in our walk with, bring us further with our walk with you this morning, we pray. In the name of Jesus Christ, we ask it. Amen. 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 Let's read just one verse there. Uh, Revelation 17 and verse 14. These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them. For he is Lord of lords and King of kings, and they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. Amen. May the Lord add his blessing to the word. You could have your seats. <clears throat> so it's speaking about a war that is going to happen in the future, and, and uh, this is a different kind of a story than what you would read in a history book, because in a history book you can only read about what has happened and, and who won and who was victorious and what they did about it and what changed in the world because of it. But what we're reading about is the, is the future, but we're reading about a future that's already been determined. We're reading about a future war who the winner is already decided, and, and he's written a book and scriptures for us, and in this last days when the word has been opened and the seals have been opened and the word is revealed and, and he's here in his fullness and, and he's shown us these mysteries and the things that, that, that we might not be afraid, that we might not be shaken, that we might not be dismayed, but that we by the word of God can, and by the, the ministering of the word can be fitly joined and compacted together by that which every joint supplieth, that we would not be tossed by winds of doctrine and shaking times, but that we can be stable and solid Christians and, and just stand upon the Word of God and know where we ought to stand and know uh, what is happening in these days, that we would not be afraid of it, but that we would just walk in fellowship with our Lord." The Lamb, the Bible says, the Lamb shall overcome them, for He is Lord of lords and King of kings. Not, not will be, not something in the future, but He is Lord of lords and King of kings. And, and, and Satan, of course, rose up against that, and, and he wanted to be the ones that would sit and have men to worship Him and, and, and uh, raise Himself up. But it was already determined who the Lord was and who the King was, and though He makes a great adversary he can never be victorious because because he doesn't have the word and 
and those, but it's not just the Lord of Lords. The, the Bible says that the Lamb will overcome them, and, and for he is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. But there was a group that was with him. And we want to speak about that group this morning. That group that was with him, they that are with him, this one that is Lord of Lords and King of Kings, they are called, and they are chosen, and they are faithful. Something about this, this group that was special to him. This wasn't a group that decided for themselves. This wasn't a group that, that, that saw all of a sudden getting towards the end, you know, like a, like, like a hockey game or a baseball game or something when you see who's going to win and, oh, I'm going to start cheering for that side now because they're, they're going to be the winners. Oh, I was, I was there all along. I was cheering for you all along. No, it's, it's not that kind of a group of people that, that decides, okay, now I see who's going to win so I'm going to jump on the bandwagon. But no, this is a, a group that, that has been called and has been chosen to stand by his side and is faithful it, through the hard times, through the good times, no matter what comes, no matter who goes, they are faithful to his word. They are faithful to him. And, and this, this little group comes from, from all walks of life. She's called from every kindred, tongue, and nation. And, and, and this group of people that, 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 that comes with this Lord of Lords and King of Kings. It's a group of, of mighty men and women, a group of, of warriors, a group of, uh, of, of those who, who are warriors of the faith, those who stood on the Word of God no matter what happened. And they come from, from all walks of life. No doubt some of them were farmers, and they find themselves now riding out with the King of Kings. Some of them no doubt were, were construction workers, and yet they find themselves riding out with the king of kings. Some of them were, were even office workers, Brother Ed, and they, they found themselves riding out with the king of kings as, as warriors, faithful warriors of the word of God, undefeated because they stood upon the word no matter what kind of a walk of life they found themselves in. No matter what nation they were from, no matter what kindred, no matter what tongue or people they came out of, they were faithful men and women. And they were called, they were chosen, they were faithful. We, can, we could read a little more about them in, in Revelations 19. It talks about them and, and it says in verse 9, Right, blessed are they which are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And uh, in, in verse, uh, verse 7 says, Let us be glad and rejoice, give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. To her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the, the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And in verse, verse 13, now it's speaking about this one. Verse 11, I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. And he that sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he does judge and make more. And his eyes were as a flame of fire and, his, and his, on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written which no man knew but he himself and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood and his name is called the word of God and the armies which followed which were in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen clean and white who are these ones clothed in fine linen white and clean we read about them in verse in verse 8 that it was it was she it was this this lamb uh, the 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 bride of the lamb and and she was arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. 
The righteousness of the saints. So the saints, the bride, are riding forth with him now. And we want to we speak about this bride because this bride means so much to the Lord. It means so much to him that she rides with him wherever, wherever uh, he goes. She is his mighty marching army. She is his faithful ones. And there, there she rides out with him. And we, we, we see her there and... and uh, but let's turn over to, to Ephesians chapter 5 because we can read about these, these mighty things. But, but God now, this is the, the, the completion and the final moments of, of God's plan moving into action. But, but right now is when he is preparing that people. And we read in Ephesians chapter 5 and in verse 25 this mystery that Paul is speaking of concerning Christ in the church. And he says in verse 25, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Oh, he had, he had such a love for her that he gave himself for it. We read about in John 3.16, and it's the favorite Bible verse of the world, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him shall not perish but have everlasting life. But And the world reads that and they say, oh, we're all going to make it to heaven. But no, he had a certain people in mind, those that would believe him. Those that would be faithful. Those that would receive his word. And he gave himself for those who would believe. And it speaks about those here in verse 25. Uh, Love your wives even as Christ loved the church. And he gave himself for her. He gave himself for it. He loved her so much that he came and died just for her, just for you and I. That's why he came and and hung upon a cross that you and I could be saved, that you and I could have redemption, that you and I could come back to dwell with the Lord forever. That he might sanctify it. He had a purpose in this. He didn't just want her to be left in her sins. He didn't want her to be left in her iniquities and in her shortcomings and and suffering and not able to overcome the things that she would face. But, But no, he had a desire. He gave himself for a purpose that he might sanctify this, this church, that he might, that he might cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. So that was, was his purpose now. To, to set this plan in motion, to begin the, the preparation of this bride, he gave himself so that she could be sanctified, so that she could be cleansed, so that she could receive the washing of the water by the word. He made a way so that she could receive his work, so she could receive his preparation, so she could re- receive all that he had for her. We could read in Revelations again where the Bible says, and it was granted to her that she would be arrayed in fine linen. It was granted to her. A way was made for her that she could be arrayed in his righteousness. A way was made. There had to be a way made because she couldn't do it on her own. She couldn't do it by her own abilities. She couldn't do it by her own works. So a way was granted for her. That he might present it to himself, a glorious church. 
This was his purpose. This was his plan. This is what he's doing in your life. He has a desire to present you to himself. This is how much God loves you. He provided a way. He provided a washing. He provided a word. He provided all of these things so that he might present you to himself. When he presents you to himself, he wants to present to himself a glorious church, a bride without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish, or any such thing. That's his desire. So that's his plan, and and God's word never fails. And because that's his desire, he made a way, and what he has sent you, this word that he has sent you is what what it will take to bring you to that place. You have to learn to rest in his word. You have to stop looking at yourself and saying, well, I'm just never good enough. I'm just not going to make it. I just can't fix this problem. I just can't fix that that problem over there. I can't get rid of this. I can't get rid of that. But God is not requiring you to figure out how to get rid of those things. But he sent you what it would take to wash you. He sent you what you needed to be without blemish. Now you have to have confidence in his word. She's called and chosen and faithful. Or will you be faithful to his word? Well, I'm just not good enough. I just can't serve him because I'm not good enough. He's not asking you to be good enough. He's asking you to be faithful. He said you would be without blemish. He said you would be without spot. He said he would cleanse you and wash you. The question is, do you believe him? Do you believe that his word is able to bring you through? Do you believe that his word is able to perfect you? Do you believe that his word is able to take you in a rapture? Do you believe that his word is able to change your mortal body? That's the question. It's not whether or not you're ever going to be able to change your mortal body. Whether or not you're going to figure out how to put these molecules together in the right arrangement. But no, he said he would do it. You just have to trust him. That's the ones that ride out with him are those that trusted him all the way. Those that trusted him. Those that that looked beyond what they saw of themselves and were willing to see what he saw about them. I love this scripture in Revelations 21. The Bible says, speaking to, to John here, he's, one of the angels comes to him in Revelations 21 and verse 9, and it says, And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, My, he makes a note about who this angel was. And he had one of, the, one of the vials full of the seven last plagues, and my, he had a very important part, but, but the angel didn't come to him to talk to him about the plagues. He didn't come to him at this moment to talk to him about when it was going to be poured out and what was going to be happened. But he comes to him and he says, come hither and I'll show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. And John didn't, didn't stop and say, oh, come on, you're, you're such an important fellow. You're going to pour out the, 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 the last plagues. And my, this is, this is amazing. Why don't we just talk about that? But no, the angel said, 
come hither and, and let me show you the, the, the bride, the lamb's wife. And my John wasn't resisting at all. And, and you know, it, here he had this opportunity to, to see a preview of the bride, to see, to see her in her final resting place, to see her in her final home. And, and, and here he gets this opportunity. And, and my, here I can look upon the, the bride, the lamb's wife, and see her in her glory. Yes, take me there. Yes, I want to see this one who this, this, this plan of redemption was all about. I want to see what she's like. Oh, I want to see God's plan. I want to see, oh, at this point, he wasn't interested in plagues. He wasn't interested in seals. He wasn't interested in thunders. He wasn't interested in, in mighty angels and, and this happening and that happening. But I have an opportunity to see the product of God's plan. To see this people that, that God has chosen and called down through the ages and see what has become of her and see if God's plan, what it was able to produce. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and a high mountain. Had to lift him up into this great high mountain to even for him to even be able to see all of the glory that was, that was given unto her. The great high mountain had showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of God, out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. My, she had the glory of God. This was this, the, the, the Lamb's wife, she had the glory of God in her. Her light was like unto a stone most precious. This isn't speaking about the Lamb. This isn't speaking about the throne of heaven. This is speaking about where God wants you to be. This is speaking about your final resting place. This is speaking about the fruition of God's plan to call a people, to live in a people, to be one with a people. This is the, the final. This is what it all turned out to be. And the glory of God was in her, shining out through her. Having the glory of God in her light was like unto a stone most precious. The light of the bride was like a stone most precious. Her light was shining out. What was it? The light of Jesus Christ. The light of the Lamb. The glory of God that he had filled her with. That he had baptized her with. That he had, he had so filled his life, so become one with her that his glory was just shining out through her. Even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. My, what a bride. What a bride. These ones that come out with her, with him, were called. They were chosen. They were faithful. I want to look at the type of the bride in the Old Testament that we are all so familiar with and it makes it easy to use because we don't have to read the story to remember the details. But in the book of Esther, chapter 2, so many different types, but we just want to take this one this morning. And she was called. Esther, chapter 2, in verse 3. 
And the Bible says, And let the king appoint officers in all the provinces of his kingdom, that they may gather together all the fair young virgins unto Shushan, the palace, to the house of the women, unto the custody of Haggai, the, the king's chamberlain, keeper of the women, and let their things for purification be given unto them. And let the maiden which pleaseth the king be queen instead of Ashti. And the thing pleased the king, and he did so. Many are called, the Bible says, but few are chosen. She was called, this, this little Esther, who was this little Esther? She, she was a Jew living in the land of Persia, and her parents had died. And so she was left alone, and her, her, her cousin Mordecai took her in and, and raised her like his own daughter. And there she was all alone, and this, this time comes when all of the, the, the virgins of the land are called. And it didn't matter what she felt like. It didn't matter what she thought of herself. It didn't matter what she thought of her future and, and how much she wondered, you know, will I ever get married? What's, what kind of a hope do I have in this land? It's not even my homeland. How would anybody want me being a Jew? But one day a call went out, and that call went out to all the fair young virgins of the, of the Persian Empire. And, and there they were. It didn't matter what nationality they were from. If they were in the Persian Empire, a fair young virgin, they were called to come to the palace in Shushan. So many young women went. There was many young women there. Many virtuous women were called at this time, and they all went there, but only one was going to be chosen. All of them were called, and they, they came at the call, but the king was not just looking for all that he called. He was looking to choose one amongst this group that had been called. He, he knew there was one in there that would be a reflection of him. He knew there was one there that would please him. There would, there would be one out of this whole group. He had to choose one. And he began to begin to call them in in their, in their time as their time of purification would be over. And one virgin after another would come in and spend their time with the king and go to the house of the concubines. And my, as, as they come time after time and and there's Esther, and, 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 and no doubt she's, she looks at all these other ones, and they're just as pretty as her, and, and, and they're just as, as, as beautiful as her, and they have all of the same, uh, the, the same access to all the, the, the purification as, as what she does. They all have just as much potential as what she does. And, and so here she is in the midst of this, not with any, not with any predetermined hope that she was going to be the one chosen, but she was just there doing what she was called to do, doing her best. Well, we're called, and the one that will please the king will be chosen. And she, in her heart, she was just set in her heart to be uh, as pleasing as she could be to the king. And in verse, verse 9 of chapter 2, it says, And the maiden pleased him. Please, Haggai, verse 8, And it came to pass when the king's commandment and his decree was heard, and when many maidens were gathered together unto Shushan the palace to the custody of Haggai, that Esther was brought also into the king's house to the custody of Haggai, keeper of the women. And the maiden pleased him, and she obtained kindness of him. 
My, so there was something about this young girl that, that when she came into the custody of the king's chamberlain, she obtained favor in his sight. There was something about her that she obtained favor in the, in the chamberlain's sight. As much as he, no doubt, was trying to be, uh, not be partial to anyone and give them all fair chance, but there was something about this, this young lady that she found favor in his eyes. There was just something about her. And she obtained kindness of him. And he speedily gave her things for purification, which such, with such things as belonged to her, and seven maidens, which were meet to be given to her out of the king's house. And he preferred her and her maids unto the best place of the house of the women. My, what a, what a situation to be in. Here's Esther, no doubt, not understanding. I, I don't understand. I don't know why I've been given the best place. I'm just trying to do, uh, what about all these other women? What about all these, uh, why is he, why am I finding favor in his eyes? Who am I that I'd find favor even with the king's chamberlain? In verse 15 it says, and when the turn of Esther, the, the daughter of Abihel, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her first daughter, was come to go in unto the king. She required nothing but what Haggai, the, the king's chamberlain, the keeper of the women, appointed. And Esther obtained favor in the sight of all them that looked upon her. My, there was something about this. All of these young virgins were called. But yet Esther obtained favor in the eyes of the chamberlain. Esther obtained favor in the eyes of all of, all of them that looked upon her. My, what a type of the bride. What a type of the bride. In, in, in Romans 8 it says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, who are the called according to his purpose. So this, in, in itself, the scripture about Esther is typing the predestination of the bride, is typing the foreknowledge of God. When, when he knew who would desire to serve him, he knew who would desire to please him, who would desire to just keep his word and, and go with whatever he would tell her to do. And so here now is Esther, a perfect type. She required nothing but what the king's chamberlain appointed to her. Here's, here's what I'm going to give you. Here's what the king likes. You can have these to wear and, 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 and put on and, and, and uh, anything else that you want to add to that, you go ahead. But that was all she desired. I'll just take what is pleasing to the king. I'll just take what you say because you've met the king. I've never met him. You've met him. You've spoke with him. You've, you've gotten the word from him and, and you've been around him. You've listened Listen to him. You've watched him come in and go out. You've seen Vashti. You've seen all the things that she did that were displeasing to the king. So I trust your word that you know him better than I know him. I'll just take whatever you say would be pleasing unto him. That's the bride today. All things work together for good to them that love God. And you wonder, why, why is it me? Why, why have I, why, why is it 
a hunger in my heart when it seems like I talk to anybody else and they're just looking for a good argument or they're just looking for a, a, some kind of a theological debate and, and my, you try to give them the truth and here, this would so help your situation. This would so help your family. This would so help your, 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 the trouble that you're going through and you try to give them the word that would, that would be so appropriate for their situation but they just want to debate it with you and they just want to give you their argument for why that's not applicable today but but there's something in your heart that just says well why why wouldn't you want that why why wouldn't you you want to just receive that and how it would transform and and change your life and I was speaking to a a man one time and and uh and he had a uh, a good friend of his whose son was was dying and with with cancer and just a young boy and 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 I I was so burdened and they were from a different town and 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 so I I brought him I didn't even want to bring the the prophet to him because many times it just right away trips people up and they can't but I didn't I didn't want to to stumble him I wanted him to receive healing for his his friend's child and receive the word of God and receive hope that 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 God can come on the scene for him and so I just gave him a book that brother Branham even recommended on Christ the healer written by FF F. Bosworth and and then and I said read this book I said it'll it'll help you and it'll show you that it'll it doesn't the thing I love about this book is it doesn't give no room for the devil to stand. When you read that book, you know that healing was for you. And you just have to receive it. I said, read this book. It will help you so much. And he took and he read the book. And, and, uh, and he came back and he had some arguments about, about what funda- fundamentalists meant. That was what he got out of the book. And my, how he said, you know, I've really enjoyed the conversations that we've had, but I just, I can't see divine healing being under the atonement. But, and it so grieved my heart. What does it matter what you can see or what you can't see? Don't you want life for this boy? Don't you want healing for this boy? That's a, I'm, I'm not trying to argue with you. I'm not, I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to make this difficult. I'm not trying to say that you got to believe what I believe. I just, I just want you to take hope back to this man's family so that he can receive healing for his, for his child. And, and, and there's something inside of you that just grieves you when people turn down the word of God because of their own ideas. Because they feel, well, this is just another idea. And that was all of these, these young virgins. Well, hey, guy, that's just your idea of what the king likes. That's just your idea of what I should wear. That's just your idea of what kind of perfume I should put on. That's just your idea of what kind of jewelry I should wear. But it wasn't just his idea. He had the word and the desires of the king. And when the word came down and the mighty angel came down and, and revealed Christ to us in this day, what was he revealing? It wasn't just another idea. It wasn't just another thought of, well, have you ever looked at God this way? Have you ever pictured the word in this kind of an idea? Like I, I've, I've tried, I tried to give, I met some people, they called themselves truth seekers. I thought, well, this is a good thing. These people are seeking the truth. Now I'll be able to give them the truth and they'll have what they've been looking for. And so I thought, well, here, why don't you take this, take this church age book and read this church age book. You're, you're looking for the truth and you're hungry for the church. Just take this and read it and it will open your eyes to what the truth is. 
Oh, the seven church ages. Yeah, there, there's a, there is an idea that, you know, the church history can be broken down into seven segments of, uh, of church, church groups. And yeah, I've, I've heard of that idea before. So yeah, I don't really need to read the book because yeah, I've heard of that before. And, and you just throw up your arms and you think, I thought you were seeking the truth. But you weren't seeking the truth. You just wanted to have your own title, your own name that would be different from other people. You weren't really hungering and thirsting after righteousness. But we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. My, not, this isn't to them that go to church. This isn't to them that pay their tithes. This isn't to them that, 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 that live clean. This isn't to them that, that, uh, that, that follow the guidelines of the church, that, that, that dress appropriately. This isn't, this isn't to them. Well, those, those are all things that, that Christians do, but it's to them that love God, to them that are, that are doing all of these things because something has happened on the inside. Paul talks about the adoption of children and talks about how that the law is like a schoolmaster. But when we come to Christ, we're no longer under that, the bondage of the law, but we're free from that. And that's how many, many people want to live. They just consider the word of God to be a schoolmaster. Well, I'll just follow the guidelines of the schoolmaster as much as I want to, and I'll try to skirt around it and try to skip school and, and try to, try, as long as I get a passing grade, that's good enough, then I can go on and live whatever kind of a life that I want to. But those that have come to Christ and met Christ, they no longer require the law because they have fallen in love with the one that wrote the law. They've fallen in love with that one and there's something that changed on the inside and now they desire to do the things that would be pleasing to God. As we raise our children in the nurture and admonition of the law, we're raising them under the schoolmaster. But we hope one day that they will fall in love with Jesus Christ. That as you've raised them and you've taught them the things, that when they fall in love with Jesus Christ, they will already know, they will already know what he desires. They already know what he loves. And then something, and their life can just begin to transform into a life of love. Into a walk of love. And you can see people under, be under that schoolmaster for years and years and grow up and, and be steady and be, oh, they're just consistent and they're just regular and they're always doing right, but, but yet there's, there's something missing. There's something missing. But one day when they, when they meet Christ for themselves, when they meet him and they enter into relationship with him, then, then the desires change. Then, then they, they're no longer a legalist. They're no longer just going by works and saying, well, you got to do this and you got to do that and you got to do this and you're not going to ace your test if you, if you don't do this and you don't do that. But when you fall in love with him, it's not about the test anymore. It's not about acing the test. It's not about getting 100%. It's not about, uh, not about criticizing everyone that isn't an A-grade student. But now it's about walking with the Lord. We know that all things work together for good. My, we haven't even got through this one verse yet. To them that love God, 
to them who are called according to his purpose. When Ahasuerus sent out that call, all the fair virgins, bring in all the fair virgins, they all received the call, but the purpose of calling all of them was in order to get one. Them who are called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew, and that's where you can rest in that he, he knew. When he called you, you felt that call upon your life, and, 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 you, and you came, and you received, and, and you can walk in that saying, he knew. He knew me from the foundation of the world. He knew me from before the foundation of the world. He knew me, and that's why I heard his call, and, and Lord, I'm coming. Whom he foreknew, he predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. My, the glory of God was found in her. And the king loved Esther. Above all the women. My, we can look back and read that and say, of course. You know, Esther was, it was God's plan. It had to be that way. And we, we can see that. But, but she couldn't see that. In that, in that moment, she, she couldn't see that. And when she was with the king and coming to the understanding that the king really loved her. What a moment of, of revelation when, when she could see the king really loves me. This isn't, he's not just pretending. He's, I'm not just the last resort, but the king really loves me and desires to spend time with me. And she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins. So that he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Ashti. Verse 18, then the king made a great feast unto all his princes and his servants, even Esther's feast. And he made a release to the provinces, gave gifts according to the state of the king. My, he loved her so much that he even gave a feast in her honor. My, we've got to get to that place, saints, when, when, when we recognize that God doesn't love you just because you're holding on. God doesn't love you just because you showed up for church on Sunday and, and you feel like if you miss church, then God's not going to love you anymore. We've got to go beyond that sense. And I, and I believe we are going beyond that. I believe we're, we're, we're there and we're in these final moments. But, but let's remind ourselves and, and, and enter into his love because there's, there's uh, so, much, so much more that God wants to open to us and to reveal to us and and it's his desire to reveal it to us and we have to stop thinking that that we got to work ourselves up into a into a place where all right now now lord won't you just reveal to me the mysteries won't you just show me um, the plan for my life but no we have to get beyond that to where we recognize that that we're here because he loved us we obtain grace and favor in his sight because he loved us. 
Not because we worked ourselves up to a certain point. Not because we, we, we did all the right works and we're a, a perfect person. But he loved us because of who we are. He loved us because he saw you from before the foundation of the world. And except, in Mark 13, verse 20 says, And except that the Lord had shortened those days, no flesh should be saved. But for the elect's sake, whom he hath chosen, he has shortened those days. My, if we could comprehend the love of God. In this troublesome time, when, when if it would carry on, no flesh would be saved. In, in God, in the days of Noah, he, was, he wanted to destroy man. It repented God that he had made man, and he wanted to destroy man. But Noah found grace in the eyes of God. And now here in this time of destruction at the end, except he shortened the days, no flesh would be saved. He wasn't concerned about all flesh, but he said, but for the elect's sake, whom I have chosen. These ones that I've chosen, I've got to shorten the days for her. I've got to shorten the days to keep her. I've got to shorten the days for her sake. He shortened the days for her. Ephesians 1 verse 4, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before him in love. Without blame before him in love. Called and chosen. And she is faithful. Even in times when she didn't understand what he was doing, this Queen Esther was faithful. Here the king gives Haman authority and says, whatever you want to do, Haman, you go ahead and do it. And, the, and Haman comes to the king and he says, there's this people that are scattered throughout all of your provinces and they don't follow your laws. This people should be destroyed. And I'll give 10,000 talents of silver into your treasury to take care of all the expenses and we need to get rid of this people because they don't follow your laws. And the king says, all right, Go ahead, here's my ring. You write it up, you seal it. And, and there's Esther when she finds out that her people are going to be destroyed. Even in this time, she didn't, she didn't sit back like, like, a, like a modern woman and say, oh, men. They just never think. But no, in this, in this time when, when the king is signing an order to destroy her people, the one that she, the one that he loves, her people. The order is, is signed and, and Haman has, has sealed it with the king's ring, been given permission to do whatever he wants. It's as good as the, as the king doing it himself. And instead of sitting back and saying, well, well, I'm the, I'm the queen. So we're going to come up with a counter plan. No, that was Vashti. Vashti had her own ideas, her own thoughts of what she thought should be done. And, well, the king wants this, but 
I'm going to do this because I'm the queen. And so the king's over here, the queen's over here, and we do what we do, and he does what he does. And once in a while, we'll get together when it both happens to work out for the two of us. But no, Esther didn't sit there and say, now there's been an order go out to destroy my people. So how can we figure out how to write up an order? Because I know the king, he'll sign it for me. He loves me, so he'll do anything for me. So let's come up with a plan, and let's put it together so that we can save my people. But no, even in this time when she no doubt didn't understand what was going on and didn't understand why, why the king would sign such an order, she was not presumptuous to think that she could just go and do her own thing. She wasn't presumptuous to, to think that, that she had rights to, to do whatever she felt like doing. But even in this time, in Esther 4, in verse, verse 10, the Bible says, And again Esther spake unto Hatak and gave him commandment unto Mordecai, All the king's servants... And the people of the king's provinces do know that whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come into the, unto the king, into the inner court, who is not called, there is one law of his to put him to death, except such to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter, that he may live. But I have not been called to come in unto the king these thirty days." My, so, so her desire, when she found out about this, her desire was not to come up with her own plan, but her, her desire was the only way to fix this is to go to the king. But who am I to go to the king? I have not been called. I have not been received an, an invitation, so I am just the same as any other man. Who am I to go in the presence of the king? I'll be surely put to death. They told to Mordecai Esther's words, and then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not that thyself, with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. For thou altogether holdest thy peace at this, if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Then Esther bade them return Mordecai this answer. All right, I'll do it. I'll go. That's the way you want it. Have it your way. Probably going to die, but I'll give it my best shot. No. Her desire was to, was to go in with all of her heart. And her heart was beating for her people. And her heart was beating. And her heart, she was worried. She was concerned that she was going to perish. But So she said, go gather all the Jews that are present in Shushan. Fast you for me. Neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. And I also and my maidens will fast likewise. So will I go in unto the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish... I perish. So here, here she was in this, in this moment of peril, not, not even understanding who she is. And Brother Branham says, now if when the bride can see who she is, then the rapture will go. Then these things will start to happen. 
And here was Esther now in this moment of peril, not recognizing who she is and, 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 and desiring that the people would fast and pray so that she could go in and find favor in the king's sight. And that's, that's many times how we feel. We feel like we got to fast and we got to pray that we might find favor in, in the eyes of the king of kings. But what is it? That's the kind of bride that he chose. That's the kind of bride that, that he chose out of all other virgins of the land. One that would be so humble. One that would not even consider herself worthy to come into the presence of the king of kings. But yet would humble herself and would desire to get all distractions out of the way. And desire to just clean up her life and, and put on her royal apparel and do her best to come in such an attitude and create such an atmosphere that he would not be able to resist to hold out that scepter to her that she might find favor in his sight. That's the kind of bride that he has chosen in this day. Oh, one that's so humble. One that, one that thinks, well, who am I that a God should call me? Who am I that a king would leave his throne and die for me? Who am I that he would come and give his life for me? So humble, that's what God's looking for. And when he looks down upon your life and you begin to reach out to him for the needs that, that have arisen in your life, he can't help but hold out his scepter to that humble heart. Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Oh, this bride doesn't come before him in pride and in haughtiness and say, Lord, why haven't you been looking after me? Why am I getting sick? Why is my family going astray? But no, she comes to him in her time of need, in humility, saying, Lord, Lord, if I could but find grace and favor in your eyes. And he reaches down and says, oh, from before the foundation of the world, you already found grace in my eyes. You already found favor. Just ask what you will and it'll be done. She did not consider her office as sufficient proof that she would find favor. She looked back and she saw there was a Vashti one time. There was a Vashti one time that was lifted up in pride and the king removed her. And I have not been called, but I must go into the presence of the king because I have needs. I must go into his presence. Lord, I won't come as one who is proud and haughty, but Lord, I will come as one who's unworthy of your presence, one who's unworthy to be called, that Lord, I might seek your favor, that I might be in your presence. And when she got there, when she got to that place, when the king held out, held out his, his scepter to her, said, yes, this is my chosen one. You have favor in my eyes any time you need it. When she found that she was in favor, all the world was in turmoil. All the, the Jews were worried and the people were astonished at this, this decree that had gone out. And, and my, the, the Jews were going to be slain and my, these, these strange things were happening and, and, and my, nobody, nobody knew what was going on and they were trying to make plans and, well, has Esther gone in? Is, is she still alive? She's in there now and, my, will she find favor? We don't know, but when Esther got into that presence, when Esther met her king, all worries faded away. 
When, when that scepter was held out to her, all worries left. She didn't go right away and, my Lord, my Lord, my, there, there's not much time. Well, I, I need you to change this decree. No, when she came into that presence and found the favor of God, all worries left. She wasn't thinking about the troubles anymore because she knew now that she had his favor, it would be over. She said, my desire is that you come to a feast. And the people were out there worrying and crying out to God. And, oh, how long, Lord, will these tribulations last? How long will these troubles be? How long will these things be? And, and there she is. Won't you come to a feast? She's not worried about what's going on around her. It's in her mind, but she knows it's under control because she's met the king. She knows that he's going to take care of it. She knows that, that all things are working together for good to them who love him. She knows that, that, that everything is going to work out now because she's found favor with the king. She knows whatever she asks, but she's not going to just rush through this moment, but now, now she's got his attention. Now she's, now she's in his presence. Now she can just make this last as long as possible. I haven't been called before the king for these 30 days, and finally she gets into the presence of the king. I haven't seen this man for 30 days. My, I'd, I'd like to just be in his presence a while longer. Why don't you come to a feast? He comes to the feast. Esther, what's your petition? Oh, come to another feast, and there I'll tell you. She was just holding this out, and, 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 and this, is, this is a type of you, saints of God. When you get in the presence of God, don't just rush. Don't just, don't just make your request and say, now i got to go see how my family is. i got to go see how my son is. i got to go see how my daughter is. But no, if you can just get into the presence of the King of Kings, stay there. When you get into that presence, and that's many times the problem is we leave before we get into the presence. We go before God and, and, we're, and we're in a rush. We've got other plans. We've got other things we want to do. And we've got other, uh, other burdens on our mind. And so we're, we're just quick. And well, the Bible says, ask and you shall receive. And so we just get on our knees. Lord, won't you please heal my son? Won't you please heal my daughter? Won't you please come on the scene in this situation? Thank you, Lord. I believe your word says if we ask, we'll receive. And amen. Now, where's my grocery list? And we hurry out the door to go and do whatever else we got to do. But you haven't truly gotten into his presence. You haven't truly come and in, in, in found that you have favor. Because you leave there and you rush out to do whatever else you got to do. And it's still in your mind. You're still worried about your son. You're still worried about your daughter. You're still worried about this sickness and this situation over here. You're still worried about it. Why? Because you didn't really come and know that you had favor in his eyes. That you didn't know that he was holding out his scepter to you. you. You turned around at the door and you rushed back thinking, well, I'm close enough. I got to the door of the throne room. But you got to go all the way in. you got to enter into that Shekinah glory. The veil's been rent from top to bottom, not so that you could come up to the edge of the holy place and stay there and gaze upon the open door and know that the word is all unveiled, but no, it's, you've got to enter into that holy place. You've got to enter all the way in to his Shekinah glory and bask there in his Shekinah glory, knowing that you found favor in his sight. And when you come to that place, when all else fades away, when all the worries fade away, and you come to that place, Lord, Lord, can you just 
Can, can I just spend another day with you in this presence? Lord, I'll come back tomorrow, and Lord, can I find you one more time, Lord Jesus? Lord, let me, let me find myself in the presence of your Shekinah glory. Lord, I don't ever want to leave this presence. When you've got there, when you've broke through, when you've come through the veil and you're in his Shekinah glory, you don't want to leave there. If you say, well, I, I, I don't know, it doesn't bother me, I, I, I can just get up and carry on, then you haven't come to that place. Because when you get into the presence of the King of Kings, you don't want to leave that presence. You don't want to leave when you know that you have his favor. When you know that he loves you, you don't want to leave the presence of that loving God. And when the Bible says that, that, that all these events are happening in this last days and so shall we ever be with the Lord, there's something in the heart of the believer that says, ah, oh, that presence. He's promised that there's coming a day when I will ever be with the Lord. I will forever be in that presence. And the spirit and the bride say, come. Lord, even so, come, Lord Jesus. Even so, Lord, bring your word to a fruition that I could live in your presence every day. That, Lord, I could just stand by your side. Oh, Lord, when you got to leave on your white horse, when you got to ride forth, Lord, let me ride with you. I don't want to be left behind, Lord, but let me stay in your presence. Let me stay by your side. Let me hear what words you have to say. Lord, if you're casting judgment upon, upon the, the armies that have come against you, I just want to be there to listen to what you have to say. I just want to be there to see your mighty power on display. Lord, I just want to see, be there to see your word take control of the situation. There's something about that bride that when she gets in the presence of her Lord, she just wants to stay there. This is the one I love. This is the one I gave my life for. This is the one who gave his life for me. She's humble. Let this mind be in you. Philippians 2, 5. Which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. Took upon him the form of a servant. Was made in the likeness of men. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. My, this, the Bible says, let this mind be in you. That when you find yourself a part of the bride of Jesus Christ, that you don't get lifted up and exalted, but that you humble yourself and become obedient to the word of God for you. Become obedient to God's plan for your life. Well, Lord, I'm the bride. I should be this. I should be that. I should be doing this. I should be doing that over here. But just humbling yourself. Amen. Obedience. He, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. He saw who he was in the word of God. He saw that he was the sacrifice. He saw that he was the perfect lamb and he humbled himself to the word of God and said, let the word be fulfilled in my life. And that's the bride. That's what she's coming to in this hour that she can humble herself to the word that God has given to her. Lord, let me fulfill the word you've given me to fulfill. Whatever it is, Lord, it doesn't matter. But Lord, I just want to be pleasing to you. I just want to humble myself to that word. 
And my, even when we have all the answers and we have it figured out and we get in a situation where, oh, we could just tear this fellow apart. But we're willing to humble ourselves, turn the other cheek. And be good to those that despitefully use us and persecute us. And love our enemies. We're so close to the end. Do we really have to love our enemies? Well, if you're the bride, you'll be humble enough to love your enemies. You got a lot of enemies in this day. There's, there's thousands of them out there. There's thousands of them that want to poke at your life and, and come against you in, in every angle. But can you love them? She has no word of her own. She needs the word of the king. She has no answer in herself. Esther had no, she had nothing to say. She didn't have any other plan. She didn't have any other desire to, to get all these servants together that she had influenced or network that she had built up. Well, talk to this one over here and this captain of the guard. He's, he's a good fellow and I, I, I paid this one over here so he should listen and, and we'll hire this, this troop over here from this country and, and we'll station them around the homes and we'll get some mercenaries from there and my, we should be able to make this work and you know what, I'll just stop by the king's palace on the way home tonight and make sure he's okay that we're gonna, no, she didn't have no word of her own. But she just desired the word of the king. When, when, when Mordecai came to her and said, this is what's happening. You as the queen need to know this is what's happening. Maybe you've been put in, in this position, in this moment, just for this purpose. She didn't put her shoulders back and say, that's right. I've been put in this position for a reason. As the queen, I will go forth and command the armies of Persia. And we will put a stop to this. I will make sure that Haman gets hung. I will make sure that he is judged and that ring is stripped off his finger. No, she had no word of her own. She had no plan of her own. But she went, she said, I must go to the king. Pray for me. Pray for me that, that it will be well. Pray for me that I'll find favor in his eyes. And and this queen that's sitting here tonight, you have no word of your own, but whatever the situation is, whatever the trial you might be facing, you have no word for yourself, nothing that you can look to and say, well, I, th I think this will meet the need right here. I think this is just, what, just what, what we need. We'll read this book over here or we'll watch this YouTube video over here or we'll search it up in Google and figure out what to do in this situation. But no, the word that the bride needs is the word that comes from the king of kings. And her desire is, oh, this situation has arisen. Let me go and see if I can find favor in his eyes. Let me go and see if I can find his word for the situation. Because if he can give me a word for the situation, then I know that everything is going to be okay. The enemy has us surrounded. My son is not safe. My daughter's not safe. My wife's not safe. Oh, they were all set to be slain. Haman said, Don't spare the children. Don't spare the young ones. Don't spare the wives. 
don't spare any of the men. Slay them all. And you might feel like your wife or your daughter or your son or, or your baby is in danger and this enemy's coming against them. That enemy's coming against them. The enemies might have us surrounded, but, but don't, don't, don't go to God with a solution and say, Lord, this is what I want to do. Will you let me do it? But go to him for favor. Go to him for mercy. Lord, if you will have mercy upon me. Lord, if you will look down upon my situation. Lord, just one word from you will make the situation right. Just one word from you is what I need to change the situation. He's the one that has the solution. Humble thyself. He'll lift you up. And Esther in Esther 8 and 7 and 8 says, and then this is now after the situation and everything is resolved and Haman's been, been hung. And then the king Ahasuerus said unto Esther the queen and to Mordecai the, the Jew, Behold, I have given Esther the house of Haman, and him they have hanged upon the gallows because he laid his hand upon the Jews. Write ye also for the Jews as it liketh you in the king's name and seal it with the king's ring. For the writing which is written in the king's name and sealed with the king's ring may no man reverse. My when she went and she found the king's favor. The king didn't give her just a little solution for the problem. But the king is very thorough. In his work. The king takes care of the very root of the problem. He doesn't just fix the symptoms and cover them up and make it easier for you to deal with. But he will go right to the root of the problem and fix it for you right from where it starts. He said, King Ahasuerus took Haman. This is the guilty one. Hung him upon a gallus that he had built. Gave the house of Haman to Esther. Said, whatever you want to do with it. You do it. And now go and write whatever you want to write and seal it in my name. My, she could, have, she could have tried to come up with something. She could have tried to put her own program together, but she wasn't interested in that. She was interested in what the king had to say. Let's be a bride like that. Don't be interested in putting our own program together. Our own works program and how we're gonna how we're gonna save our children, how we're gonna overcome sickness, how we're gonna overcome financial troubles, how we're gonna overcome these things, how we're gonna go in a body change, how we're gonna keep our standards high enough to be pleasing to God. Let's not worry about coming up with a program to make things work. But let's find his will for the situation. If, if there's sin creeping into the church, let's go to him and ask him for a solution. Because he won't just fix the symptoms. He won't just go to the, to the child, to the young person, and, and say, well now... Uh, what you need to do is you need to dress like this and you need to talk like this and you need to do this. He won't just go to the sickness and say, well, if you just take this little pill, it'll help alleviate the symptoms. But no, when he comes on the scene for the situation, whether it be sin, whether it be sickness, whether it be unbelief, whatever it might be, he will take it right to the root of the problem. 
He will take it right to that devil that started the very problem. He'll take it right back to its beginning and he'll execute that problem. He'll execute that life. Like Brother Brandon, when he would pray for the sick, he would say, now the, the life has gone out of it. See, now maybe after 72 hours, you're going to start to feel sicker, but it's okay. It's just your body beginning to purge itself of those things. But the life has gone out of it. Mine, and we have so much science today that wants to come and, and they want to deal with the symptoms. Well, you got a, a growth on you, so we're just going to cut the growth off. We're just going to try to radiate it and get it down, and that's all wonderful. It might make us feel better and, and might make us go on, take this pill, and that'll help you get through your cold and through your, your suffering, and it'll take away your runny nose. But what about the root of the problem? Hey. What about the life that's there? What about the devil that caused that thing in the first place? My, you might be suffering financial troubles that, that were brought on you by a demon that got into your life and begin to affect your, your spending habits and begin to devour your income by this and by that. And well, I just buy it. My, we think sometimes that, that that's not the devil. Well, it's just my wife. She just likes to go and spend and spend and spend. And, but the Bible says that I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. Who's the devourer? The consumer. And we live in this consuming age when we're not just fighting sickness and, 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 and we're not just fighting uh, uh, depression and things like that, but we're fighting all kinds of demons. They don't want to just devour your health and devour your salvation, but they, they, if they can't get you there, they want to devour the money that God's given you to live by. They want to devour your, your, your family. They want to devour your, your peace of mind. They want to devour your time. And we can come up with all these little, we can read these time management uh, seminars and how we can better manage our time. And we can go to the, the latest research to figure out how to deal with this, with this, uh, this uh, whatever sickness or hereditary problem that we have that we can deal with it a little better or we can go and we can go to uh, AA or, or something that'll help us with our addictions and maybe help us live a little better life but there's a root of the problem that's being caused by a devil that's jumped onto our life. Amen. And when we go to God to a place and get shut in with God until we know that we've met with him until we know that we've entered into that Shekinah glory. Then the problem is over. Then when he comes on the scene, he will fix the root of the problem. He will destroy that life that's devouring our health. He'll destroy the life that is devouring our, our money. He'll he'll. Destroy the life that's devouring our peace of mind. He'll destroy that devil that's devouring our time. They were called, those that followed him, they were called, they were chosen. And they were faithful. But she didn't call herself. She didn't choose herself. But she could be faithful. You didn't call yourself. 
You didn't choose yourself. But it's up to you whether you're going to be faithful to his word. It's up to you. We can come up with all kinds of excuses as long as we want to put up with the devils that afflict us. We can come up with all kinds of reasons of why things are the way that they are. Come up with all kinds of reasons, all kinds of ideas, all kinds of stories to back up what we have to say. But if you want the problem to be fixed, you've got to go to him. And you've got to lay aside all our excuses. We've got to lay aside all our reasonings, all of our own ideas. And we've got to go to him and say, Lord, Satan has robbed me of my healing for long enough. He's robbed me of my prayer life for long enough. He's robbed me of my time for long enough. He's robbed me of my sanity for long enough. He's robbed me of my peace of mind for long enough. Lord, I'm coming to you. There is a devil that's hanging around. And Lord, I want that devil to be gone out of my life. Haman being given the ring. Haman being able to make his decrees. Haman being able to take the, the reins as far as he wanted to take them had, didn't take away from Esther being the queen. But while he was doing his thing and, and he was creating the destruction he was creating, she needed to get into her position. She needed to get into her place. She needed to know who she was. And how could she find out who she was? She didn't read a book about how Vashti did it. She didn't, she didn't read the latest blogs on how to be a proper queen. No, she needed to go to the king to find out who she was. You want to know who you are this morning? You've got to go to the king to find out who you are. You're getting tired of the devil. You're getting tired of what he's doing to your family. You're getting tired of what he's doing to your health. You get tired of what he's doing to your time. Don't worry about him. Just go to the king. Go to the solution. Get shut in with him. To her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen. It's been granted to you to be arrayed. It's been granted to you to sit on the, on the throne with him. It's been granted to you to be called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's been granted to you that the word would be unveiled in your eyes. It's been granted to you. Now you've got to find out who you are. You've got to take this word and wrap it around you and go into his presence. When Esther went into the presence of the king, she put on her royal apparel. And when you go into the presence of God, don't go with your own ideas. You've got to take the word. You've got to wrap yourself in the word. And you've got to go to him saying, Lord, I am coming to you, not upon my own word, but upon your word. I'm coming to you on the basis of your promises. I'm coming to you on the basis of your righteousness. Lord, you took my sin upon you that I could become you by grace, that I could have your righteousness upon me and Lord I'm wrapping myself in it because Lord I don't want you to see my faults and my failings and my shortcomings but Lord I just want you to see the blood of Jesus Christ that surrounds my life Lord as I come into your presence to find your will for my situation oh maybe we could stand together 
So musicians, come. It's been granted to you. Go into his presence. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness. In the message, it's the rising of the sun. Brother Branham says, and as he being the groom, the bride has come forth because it's part of him. This is what the Lord thinks of you. You're a part of him. It can only be the manifestation of the fulfilling of all the revelations any others has spoke of the bride. My, so you want to know who you are. You don't have to make something up. You just got to look back in the pages of the word and find out just what it said about you. Because that's the word that you are called to live. The revelations any others has spoke of the bride, it can only manifest. If it does something different from the groom, it isn't the bride. Because she is flesh of his flesh, bone of his bone, life of his life, power of his power. She is him. As man and women are one, the man, the woman taken from his side, she taken a spirit, the feminist spirit from him, the flesh from his side. Both made mechanics and dynamics, the wife, the spirit of him, and the flesh of him, and put it together and made mechanics and dynamics. Oh, my. She is him. She is him. My, if we could just see how much he loves us. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. That's you, saints of God. That's you. You are the chosen one. You are the chosen bride. Just let him lead you by his word. Let him wash you by his word. Walk in his word. Become one with him. This is the hour when you can truly become one with him. We're not waiting for someone else to come. We're not waiting for another message. We're not waiting for more mysteries to be unveiled. Now's the time where it's you and him alone, feasting, being in his presence, all your needs met by the one who loves you, the one who can make the difference in your life. I don't know what we should sing. You got any song? He became me. Let's sing that. He became me so that I
Yeah.